0: This sermon is brought to you by Shadow State Chi Alpha. As you listen, we hope that you enjoy it and that it helps you in your walk. Please visit our website in the information below and drop us a message. We would love to hear from you. Alright, so, I know in the past I've prefaced a lot of sermons pretty much the same way. And that I'm telling you guys, I don't intend to just make you guys feel guilty about yourselves, feel dirty, feel, feel like you're screwing up in life. That's not my intention. And so if you feel like that, just know that's not my intention. There's another reason why you're feeling like that. My intention is to actually get you guys some alleviation from that. Help take some of that guilt off, take some of that stress off, take some of that burden off. Because let's be honest, every single one of us comes in here, whether you had a good day or not, with some level of burden or stress or, or something weighing you down. And if my sermon happens to uh, intensify that, like I said, that's not the purpose. My purpose is to help you guys get rid of that. And so with that, my sermons, I have to talk about some things that put stress on your shoulder. Some things that make you feel guilty. Things. I have to talk about stuff that's going to make you feel guilty. I have to talk about this stuff. I have to, to get to a point where I can identify the problem. Because I feel like in here, if I can identify the problem then maybe we can get rid of it. Maybe you can leave here without that stress on your shoulders. So sometimes we talk about the hard stuff, and sometimes just even thinking about it is tough. And so we talk about the hard things in here. We try to identify some stuff that you might be going through. You might have to relive it for a few minutes, but hopefully the intent is by the time you guys leave, you're no longer burdened with that same thing. Because... Sometimes our lives get in the way of us truly living in freedom of Christ. And sometimes the way we live our lives get in the way of freedom in Christ. So my goal like I said is to help identify what is weighing you down tonight. 2nd Sim- Timothy 1:7 says for the spirit of God or the spirit God gave us does not make us timid. Another word for timid could be afraid or fearful. For the spirit of God, or for the spirit God gave us, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So the thing being with that, I'm going to ask you guys a rhetorical question here. When you're alone, and you're, you're spending your alone time with God, and you're reading your Bible. I'm talking truly alone. Not when you're in a large group going over scripture and praying. I'm talking when you're alone and you're in your intimate space with God. You're in your private time with God and you're praying and you're reading your scripture. When you're alone with God, do you feel at peace with your life and how you're living your life? Truly, do you feel completely at peace? with what the Bible is calling you to and what God is calling you to and how he's calling you to live your life. Because I'll be honest, when I'm alone and reading my scripture and I'm spending time with God and I'm praying and I'm in my private time with God, I always leave feeling like there's more I can be doing. There's more I should be doing. There's more in my life that I want to live up to. There's a higher standard for my life than how I'm even currently living right now. And I don't mean that I leave there, like I said, I don't leave there feeling guilty and ashamed. I leave there feeling empowered because God shows me what my life is is to be like, and he shows me how I can live my life. And so I leave there feeling empowered because if God says I can live that way, I can live that way. And so when I spend my alone time with God, so ask yourself this, when you spend your alone time with God, are you at peace with how you're currently living your life and the things in your life? Or perhaps the the outlook of your life right now. Do you feel at peace with that? Because I truly feel like there is always, always more we could be doing. I truly don't believe that on this plane of existence on earth, in our life, we will ever get to the point where we get done and we're like, I'm good. I'm I'm just gonna, I'm gonna retire for the last 30 years of my life. I'm not gonna do anything. I, I did everything I could possibly do for God and I grew as close to God as I could possibly grow on earth. I'm good. I truly don't believe we will get to that point on this plane. And so there is always more that can be done and we can always get closer to Christ. But the thing is, when we're around other Christians, we're in our small group, we're in our our prayer group, our Bible study, whatever it is, and you tell someone, hey, I'm struggling with this, a lot of times you'll get that, you know, oh, everything's okay, everything's fine, I completely understand, I do the same thing, we're good. And you almost begin to feel good about how you're living your life, you're like, I'm fine living my life this way because there's other people in here going through the same struggles. And so tonight, you know, and and I want you to to understand there's a difference here. The way that Francis Chan puts it is, there is a difference between being at peace with something and ignoring something that God is telling us. I'm going to read that one more time. Francis Chan quote. There is a difference between being at peace with something and ignoring something that God is telling us because I know that I've ignored a lot of things in my walk with God. Things that I was struggling with and, and habitually struggling with. And I, and I ignored it, and I ignored it, and I ignored it, and I went to other people to try to get them to tell me they are struggling with the same thing. And since they were struggling with the same thing, I was okay struggling with it. And I got to the point where I was ignoring it. And I ignored it for so long, I began to feel at peace with it. But then eventually... God drops it back on my lap, and he says, hey, you're still struggling with this. I want to help you through it. And man, the conviction is ten times more than it was before. And so then when I actually take the time and I deal with what God's trying to help me work through, and I I get that crap out of my life, that gunk, that sin, that lifestyle out of my life, and I'm truly at peace with it, It doesn't come back. Man, it just feels amazing. So tonight I want us to to understand there is a big difference between being at peace with something and ignoring something that God is telling us. So tonight I want you to break down any walls, any walls you came in here with that maybe you've been ignoring lately, but, but you haven't necessarily resolved in your life. I want you to break down those walls of being Uh, of the things that you're ignoring in your life right now, the things that you might be struggling with. I want you to break down those walls of the things you're struggling with, and there's a reason for it. I'm not telling you need to to heap on the burden and heap on the guilt. We're going to talk about it later, but tonight I want you to come into this room with the understanding of what you're struggling with, what you're truly struggling with, and I want to make sure that we're not lying to ourselves when we come in here. I want to make sure you guys are understanding what we're getting at because it's important for what I'm going to talk about here in five, ten minutes, that we have that understanding, we're at that place where we see our guilt and we see our sins and we, we see the same things we're struggling with and we look at them the right way. We're not looking at them like, it's okay that I struggle with this. It is something that we do need to fix in our lives and it, it needs fixed in our lives. And so today I want to make sure we're coming in here, we break down those walls right now. Take those walls down. Take those barriers around that little thing, that little piece of your heart you bricked off because you don't want to deal with it anymore. I want you to take down those bricks because tonight we're going to deal with it. We're going to deal with it the right way because ultimately I don't want you guys to make the same mistakes I made. I don't want to see you guys go through the struggles that I went through in my early walk with Christ. I want to see you guys deal with things the right way and not just hide them and bury them so far down that you won't see them about once a year. But when they come up, man, you just explode. You guys know what I'm talking about. And at the same time, I want to make sure that you guys are hearing what I'm saying properly. So I want to preface everything with this. What I'm saying tonight is I'm not saying that you need to try harder. I'm not saying that you need to try harder to get the sin out of your lives, that you you need to try harder to to share the gospel. I'm not saying you need to be doing these things because if you're trying harder and you're doing it for the wrong reasons, you're doing it for your own pride. You're doing it for your own self, for your own glory. So what I'm not saying is taking up a religious obligation, a to-do list, and just wanting to do more because if you take it up that way, Like I said, you're taking it up under your own weight, under your own pressure. And then at the same time, you're also doing it for yourself. Because if if we want to get to the place where God wants us to be, where God has called us to be, we're going to do it, but we're going to do it for the right reasons and in the right timing. Because it's going to be, we're going to do it because of how much we love God. And we're going to do these things because of how much we love other people. We're going to do it because of love, not because of a list of obligations or things we need to do in order to feel better about ourselves. We need to make sure we're doing it for the right spot. We need to find that sweet spot, that place in our lives where we're living our life because we truly love God, and we truly love our neighbors, and we truly love ourselves the way that God loves us, and we will leave behind the things in our life that we struggle with. It's a delicate, sweet spot that we need to be in in our lives. How many you guys have been golfing before? I know when you go golfing and... Sure. Putt, putt, golf. That's fine. And when you swing the club and you just hit it right off the tip, And the ball just goes flying. Or you hit the ball right off the back and same thing. It just goes flying. But when you just hit that sweet spot and you can hear the twang. And that ball just goes flying. And that's what I'm trying to get you guys at. You don't need to be on this side trying to do things under your own power. And you don't want to be on this side and you're just content with living your life full of sin. We need to find that sweet spot where we're doing things truly out of how much we love God and how much we truly love ourselves and how much we truly love our neighbors. So what does it come down to then? It's pride. I mean, at the root of everything we can say is is pride. Well, what is pride? I've heard pride explained over and over and over and over again in so many different ways that it becomes hard to understand what pride actually is. And so I want to share with you guys what I, how I see pride. The way I see pride is, the best way that I explain it to myself even, is pride is when we idolize ourselves, our feelings, our comforts, or we idolize our lives, or the way we believe our lives should be played out. That is what, in my opinion, pride is. When we put ourselves, our feelings, our lives above God in our life. Because we should be putting God before ourselves. And so that can look, and that can manifest in so many different ways, and I'm not trying to, to oversimplify it to the point where, I'm not actually saying anything important tonight, but I want us to, to to understand what pride is in order to get to the next part of this. How many of you guys are familiar with Stephen in the New Testament? About half of you guys. So I'm gonna I'm gonna share a little bit of backstory about Stephen so you guys can kind of understand Stephen. I love Stephen. Stephen is one of my favorite people from the New Testament. He is an awesome, awesome man of God. And one of the coolest things that I find about Stephen is the fact that Stephen was a waiter, basically. And so to kind of give you guys a little bit of backstory so you guys understand, excuse me, understand who Stephen is, Stephen was a man who, in my opinion, understood what needed to be done. But at the same time, he was a man who understood what needed to be done, and it needed to be done the right way in his life. He knew what God was calling him to. He knew what standard of life God was calling him to. He knew what his calling was in life. And he also understood that it wasn't about just picking himself by his bootstraps and just doing it. What I was referring to a little bit ago was Stephen did things out of love of God. And Stephen did things out of the love of his neighbors, of of the people around him. So basically what happened was, we're all familiar with the 12 disciples, are we not? The 12 disciples felt like they were too burdened with serving tables, basically. And so they decided they were going to pick seven people who were going to take over the duty of serving tables so that they can go do the important things of being a disciple. One of those people that they picked was Stephen. So they picked Stephen along with six other people to take care of waiting the tables for them so that they could go focus more of their time and attention on prayer and fasting and, and, and preaching the gospel. And during this part, Scripture says that Stephen was a man full of God's grace and power, and he performed great wonders and signs among the people. Now keep in mind, like I just said, he was a waiter. So Scripture says Stephen was a man full of God's grace and power, and he was a waiter. Stephen performed great wonders and signs among the people, and he was a waiter. And so this cop-out that we get where we believe that the pastor is the only one that can do cool things, or maybe your small group leader is the only one who can do signs and wonders, and, and only these people that are appointed full-time ministry can do the cool things of, of ministry and these signs and wonders, and these, the grace and power of God is a complete cop-out because Stephen's standing here, and he was a waiter. And here in a second, I'm going to explain to you why it was so amazing that he did what he did as a waiter. Because the other thing that we know Stephen as was the very first martyr for Christ. Scripture tells us that martyrdom is the, the, the biggest thing that you can possibly do for Jesus Christ. And being a martyr is basically just giving your life over to Christ and eventually, basically, being killed in Christ's name. So scripture tells us martyrdom is is the, the biggest thing you can do for Christ is to basically give your life to Christ, for Christ, to serve Christ, and in the name of Christ. Stephen was the first martyr we have in scripture. And so Stephen was the first martyr, and he was a waiter. That just takes that cop out that we can sometimes have that, oh, I can't do this because I have a full-time job. I can't do this because I'm a full-time student. I can't do this because I have no time in my life because I go to school full-time and I work part-time and I'm an RA and I have 15 jobs and, and I take care of cows and horses and whatever else. Because the first martyr was a waiter. And that's powerful. I love Stephen. He's awesome. He's awesome. Turn in your scriptures to Acts 7.54. See, because Stephen, even though he was a waiter, he would go out and preach the gospel. Even though he was a waiter, he would go out and share the gospel of Christ to other people. He would go out and share the gospel, and eventually he shared it so much and so powerfully that the the people who were against Christianity actually targeted him specifically. That's a lot of preaching. Acts 7, verse 54. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears, and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he said this, he fell asleep. I wanted to read this out of scripture because I really truly don't believe that I could put it in a more powerful way than scripture has already worded it here. And I wanted you guys to get the full magnitude of what occurred. Stephen gave his life sharing the truth of Jesus Christ. The most important thing he could possibly do in his life was share the truth about Jesus Christ. And the thing is, Stephen loved God so much, he did it even though he knew it would kill him. He did it while he was being killed. And he loved the people around him that he was sharing to so much that even though they were killing him and he was dying, he still asked God to forgive them. And so you know he was sharing the gospel because he loved them. It wasn't some sort of checklist that he just needed to check off in order to get to heaven. And you don't do those kinds of things. Have you ever, have you ever shared the gospel of Christ to somebody who got so mad that they began gnashing their teeth and clenching their fists and calling obscenities to you? Have you ever, have you ever even been that mad in your life? Man, I know I've been mad in my life, but I've never been that mad. But you know when you get just truly mad at something. These people were that mad because he was talking about Jesus Christ. What else in this earth evokes, or or not evokes, but evokes, there we go, evokes that kind of emotion. So tonight, uh, to, to truly fully grasp what was going on prior to this, if you're not familiar with Stephen, I want you to do me a favor, and tonight before you go to bed, or tomorrow first thing when you wake up, put a reminder in your phone to remind you before you go to bed or before, when you wake up, and read Acts 7. And so you can read what Stephen was actually saying to the Sanhedrin, because it has it all quoted out there. And so I want to encourage you guys, take that time, write it down, remind yourself to read that. It's definitely powerful, and for the sake of time, we're not going to read through it here tonight, but I'm going to give you guys the opportunity. If you're not familiar with Stephen, you want to read that. Acts 7, all the way through. And so Stephen, as he's going to get killed, as he's dying, He looks up and he sees Jesus Christ. He sees God. Because the thing about Stephen was he was full of the Holy Spirit. And so, even in the turmoil, even when life was literally killing him, the Holy Spirit was still giving him peace, was still giving him strength to continue we still showing him how much he loved him. They were stoning him. They were stoning Stephen. And it says, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing there at the right hand of God. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. So they were stoning him. So what? The Holy Spirit had it under control. So why would Stephen go through all of this? Why would Stephen be willing to die to share about the gospel? It has to be because of love of God and love of the people he was sharing it to. But the thing about... Christianity is, in America, sometimes it's hard enough to to share the gospel with people who might look at you funny afterwards. It's hard enough to share the gospel with people who might just avoid you from then on if you shared about Christ to them, shared about what Christ did in your life, the impact that Christ has had in your life. We tend to shy away in America because, you know, we don't want people looking at us funny, and, and we don't want The timing to be wrong and we don't want you know to lose this friend because they're atheists and and we don't want to do this and we don't want to do that let alone sharing the gospel in front of somebody who's clenching their fist gnashing their teeth just ready to just tear you apart because they hate you so much because you're a christian See, the thing about Stephen is the whole reason he was standing in front of the Sanhedrin was because people were sharing lies about him. People basically shared lies and say he was blaspheming God and blaspheming Moses. That's what it says in Scripture. And so he was standing in front of the Sanhedrin based off of a lie, and yet he still was so compassionate that he would still continue to give them the truth. He loved them so much he gave them the truth knowing what it would cost him in the end. And that time, it, it was obvious that they were willing to go as far as death, as, as far as killing people in order to try to shut people up. Yes. The first martyr for Jesus was a waiter. Because Stephen loved God and he loved others. And we, Yes, we, even in America, have to have that same approach. We have to live our lives in that same manner. If we call ourselves Christian and we say we love Jesus Christ, we need to live our lives with that same abandon of our life. We have to have that same mindset. But while we're at it, let's not quit there. Let's keep going. Let's switch gears and take it up a notch. Let's finish the story off here. Acts 8.1, continuing. I really wish they would have just included this in Acts 7 because in my mind it finishes the thought off pretty well. And Saul approved of their killing him. Why is this important? Well, we know Saul. We know Saul eventually becomes Paul. Paul eventually goes on to write two-thirds of the New Testament. And it's saying here, Saul approved of their killing him. Saul approved of them killing the first martyr for Christ. That Saul eventually gives his life to Christ and eventually is is jailed for Christ and doesn't even care that he's jailed for Christ. What would drive Saul to become the man he became? To become Paul. What could possibly drive somebody who literally it says and Saul approved of their killing him to eventually write most of the New Testament? Just think about it. There's a picture here. Paul loved God and Paul loved people. There's a cool little thing that I, that I saw the other day that I thought was interesting. And the idea says that Paul was actually called to continue the ministry of Stephen. Now, I'm not saying that's scriptural or anything, but I think it's a cool way to think about it. Because eventually Paul picks up where Stephen left off. Jesus Christ intervened in his life. Jesus Christ challenged Saul, called him out on the way he was living his life, called him to a higher standard. Jesus has done the exact same thing to every single one of us. He sacrificed himself for you and he calls you to a higher standard of life. Same way that he called Saul. So we have to be led by love. Because people can tell when you're doing something because it's just a checklist that you need to check off. People can see right through your intentions. And so if we're not being led truly by love, man, you're going to be, it's going to be tough sharing the gospel for you. Because people are going to see that and they're going to run away fast. Because people don't like people with shady intentions. And so if your intention is just to, 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 bring people to Christ and and to do all these things so that you can feel good about yourself and the way you're living your life, man, people are going to see through that. You have to truly love the person that you're talking to about Jesus Christ. We have to have that same compassion. It has to compel us the same way. So we need to be full of this kind of love. We have to love our Lord and we have to love neighbors. It really does... Come down to that. We have to be driven. Every aspect of our life needs to be driven out of love. We are called to a higher standard. We can't idolize ourselves. We can't idolize our lives. We can't have this American dream of having a white picket fence, making $300,000 a year so that you can just live a life of ease. Our life needs to be compelled by love not an idolized version of our lives. Religious or false gospel is often characterized by teaching and pastoring and then gauging your success by how many people you can gather around yourself. While the true gospel is teaching and pastoring engaging your success by how many people you send out to do the same thing. Because we have to have the mindset that there's a bigger picture here. We have to truly love the people that we're interacting with. The people we're trying to share the gospel with. You guys. For me, I'm trying to share the gospel with you guys right now. And I'm doing it out of love. Like I said, I don't want to see you guys commit the same mistakes I made in my walk. Or before my walk. Like I said, I eventually will share my testimony in here, but... I don't want you guys making the same mistakes. And I've been at that place in my, in my walk with Christ where I, I felt like I had to do these things because there was some sort of weird checklist that if I didn't do it, I wasn't a good Christian. Man, that's a tough place to fall into because you're doing everything. You're doing everything that the pastor tells you to do, that everybody, anybody tells you to do, but you're doing them for the wrong reasons. And it's hard to see that sometimes. I shared earlier this semester, it might have been last semester, I shared with you guys how the most important thing you will ever hear in your entire life is that Jesus Christ died for you, he died sacrificially for you on the cross, and he rose again. That is the most important information you will ever hear in your entire life. Now you've heard it, and I'm sorry, it's all downhill from here. The most important thing you will ever do in your entire life is to give your life to Christ. So if you're in here and you've given your life to Christ, I'm sorry. Again, it's all downhill from here. The, se- or the, the third most important thing that you can ever do, and like I said, it's all downhill, downhill from there. The third most important thing you can ever do is tell people about the most important thing and the second most important thing in your entire life. Everything else doesn't, I mean, it, it's, doesn't even matter. And we need to do it because we love people. Can I get Ruben to come up and play the guitar a little bit? So to finish, what am I saying? What am I trying to say tonight? I know I've kind of been all over the place. So I'm going to try to wrap it up properly. The weight that you guys came in here with, and I know you came in here with it because 90% of you wouldn't look at me until 10 minutes into my sermon. I know you guys came in here with some weight on your shoulders. I know you guys did. I can see it in your faces. That weight you came in here with, that's the weight that the world puts on you. That's the weight that you put on you. That is not a burden that God put on you. That is not a weight that God intended for you to come in here with. The world put that on you. Maybe you put it on yourself. Perhaps it's because of the expectations that you have for yourself. Or perhaps it's the expectations that others have put on you. Perhaps it's because of the sin that you're struggling with. I don't know what put that burden on you. It could be a crisis in your life. It could be health problems. It could be a death in the family. It could be family fights, money problems. Man, it, there's no end to the spectrum. If, if if you came in here with a burden and you're thinking about it right now. God didn't intend for you to come in here with that burden. And so whatever it was, I'm gonna, can I get the small groups going here? Everyone bow your heads. Taylor, can I get you? In the it? Everyone bow your heads. Close your eyes. Listen to me very carefully right now. We've already established that the burden you came in here with was not placed on you by God. And so what I'm going to ask you to do right now, it's, it's simple. It is so simple, but I need you to keep listening to me. Even if you don't want to, I need you to listen right now. If you're getting tired or you're bored or whatever, listen right now. If you heard anything else the rest of the night, I want you to listen. Smuggle pleaders too. Listen very closely. Everything in your life. I mean literally everything. I don't care how big it or small it is. I don't care how good or bad it is. I want right now in this moment everything in your life. Your job, your car, your 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 burdens, your whatever. Everything. Every single solitary thing in your life. Good or bad. No matter whether you think it's for your life or not. Everything in your life. Everything that you could possibly characterize your life as right now. Think of everything. I want you to take everything, and I want you to drop it. I want you to put it on the side. It is no longer characterizing your life. Right now, I don't care what is going on in your life, no matter how good or bad, you're putting it aside right now. I don't care if it's a burden or if it's, it's a dream or aspiration, put it down. Right now. I want you to just to to imagine that there's nothing. There's no burden, there's no expectation, there's nothing. Nothing at all right now. If you're worrying about something, stop it. If you're thinking of something you need to do after tonight's service, stop. There is nothing at all. Nothing matters in this moment right now. And so, What I want you guys to do is right now, in this moment, nothing matters. I want you to look up just as the way Stephen looked up. Keep your eyes closed, but but in your head, look up. And imagine seeing Jesus Christ before you. Right now, in this moment, I want you to ask Jesus, what, if anything that you put down that characterizes your life what you need to put pick back up. And if God doesn't tell you to pick it back up, then you leave it. You do not pick it back up on your own. Ask God what He would like for your life. Ask God what He would like for you to do. And so, I know it can't just be done all instantaneously. And so I'm going to give you guys... At least five minutes or so. I called the small group leaders up here because if you feel like you need somebody to pray over something, they're up here. If you're a guy, come up and meet a guy. If you're a girl, come up and meet a girl. They're more than willing to agree and prayer with you guys. But I want you to take the next five minutes and I want you to seriously think about what in your life you need to pick back up. Because we already established you dropped everything. Nothing in your life matters right now. And I want you to only pick back up what God tells you to pick back up. We're going to take five minutes. altars are open. If you need prayer, don't hesitate. And ask God what he would like for your life. Tonight. I want to make something clear If tonight you God told you that you needed to go And be a missionary to Europe Or something like that I'm not saying that you need to Literally drop everything right now And put a flight to Europe Because the decisions that, that you came to tonight And the conclusions you came to tonight They still need to be covered in prayer and we still need to make sure That we're doing things in God's time Sometimes God will show us something for our lives, and it's something that's going to be a little ways down the road. It kind of gives us the bigger picture thing. I I have some things that God's shown me uh, about my life that aren't going to take place in the next 20 years. I'm not quick to try to give up on, on the things that God's asking me to do now for the vision he had shown me for the future at the same time, like I said, we need to make sure that that the decisions we make are covered in prayer. The big decisions that God might be calling you tonight, you still need to cover them in prayer. But what I am kind of saying is that what you did tonight, laying down everything in your life, literally everything in your life, and only picking back up what God wants you to pick up, this needs to be a daily thing in your life. When you wake up in the morning, you need to only take things, take the things with you that God is telling you to take with. Do the things that God is asking you to do. Strive for the things that God's asking you to strive for. And we need to go out with the intent to live like Stephen. To show the gospel at all costs of love for God and love for those that we're sharing no matter what God might be calling you to profession-wise, I don't care if it's to be a teacher or a doctor or a pastor or a missionary I do believe there are people who are called to be missionaries in this room that haven't received that calling yet but no matter what God is calling you to our priority should still be Loving God. Loving our neighbors. And then what I talked about a few weeks ago, making disciples. So every single day we need to wake up with those things on our mind. Live deliberately that way. Because your life is far too precious. It on things of the world. The time you're given here in Shadron, I've kind of alluded to it, you're never gonna have another opportunity where thousands of people live within a square mile and are forced to have conversations with you. You're never gonna have another opportunity like this in your life. And so even your time here at Shadron is precious and needs to be spent deliberately same way Stephen spent his life let's pray Lord we thank you for your love first that you showed us what love really is that no matter what the world tries to tell us is love pales in comparison to what you've shown us So, Lord, I just ask that we could live more like Stephen. Lord, that we could live every day like Stephen. And when we wake up in the morning, we wake up and we think about you and how much you loved us. We think about how much you love everybody around us. And then, Lord, I pray that you give us, that we could could see them the same way that you see them. That we wouldn't be seeing the the things that the people around us did wrong. Lord, we could see them the way that you see them, with that love that we couldn't hold anything back anymore. Lord, I ask you to give us a boldness to show the gospel at any cost. I'm not sharing the gospel to check off a checklist. Lord, sharing the gospel because of love. Not to bring more people to us, but to send more people out. Lord, we thank you. It's for your glory that we're here. It's for your glory that we pray. God help it to be its for your glory by we.